so glad that you've made it to worship today. I'm very thankful that it is Sunday. Uh, y'all, yesterday I took our, uh, Belle and I went to get some lunch at Chick-fil-A about 1230. Pull up Chick-fil-A yesterday, it was closed. Like the drive-through closed, the whole, it was just closed. And I thought, oh no, is this Sunday? Did I miss church today? So I'm grateful I did not miss church yesterday. I'm glad that you did not miss, are not missing church today. So go ahead, get the word out that we're going to get into the word. So message somebody, get them, you know, invite them to our live stream or uh, get them to join your Facebook live watch party as we dive into God's word. Open your copy of the word of God to Acts chapter number one, the book of Acts chapter number one. We're going to be in the first 11 verses in Acts chapter 1 this morning, and it'll be on your screen here in a moment when I get ready to read that. You know, it was the summer of 1984. My dad, my pregnant mom, my brother and I were moving from Columbia, Mississippi to Longview, Texas, and Highway 49 in Mississippi has often been ranked in the top 10 deadliest highways in America. And on June 29th, 1984, it yet again proved deadly as our van was traveling at highway speed and barreled into the back of this 18-wheeler for all intents and purposes was just sitting still. Uh, Tragically, uh, my dad, 33 years old at the time, he died instantly, and that shattered our family. I mean, it completely changed the course of our life. My my mother, who was pregnant, and they didn't realize she was pregnant because she was so early in her pregnancy. She was 29. She was injured. Uh, pretty bad in, in the accident. My, my brother Joey, he was six. He was injured the worst, and I was injured as well. So I want you to get the time frame of that summer. So June 29th, we have the accident. My mother spent two weeks in the hospital, uh, well into July, and my brother and I spent a week in the hospital. Uh, so we were, none of us were able to attend my dad's funeral. We missed that. Uh, we were recovering in the hospital. All three of us had concussions. I had 120, over 100 stitches in my forehead that ran from this side of my head all the way over. Nearly, nearly about 200 stitches in my forehead. We all had concussions. We, so basically what happened in July, we were on lockdown. We were locked down, recovering in the hospital. Then we were on lockdown, recovering at home. And we were just on lockdown. Now for a 10-year-old kid, I was 10 years old at the time, I wanted to get off of lockdown. I couldn't wait for school to start. I couldn't wait to go to school in August, start the fifth grade. And so when school started, that means football season started. So high school football game, the first home high school football game came up. And my mother, just a few weeks removed from having those stitches removed from my forehead, she relaxed a little bit on her lockdown order and allowed me to do what grade school boys do at high school football games. They play a pickup game of football by the bleachers. So I lined up on the outside as a wide receiver, and at the snap of the ball, I ran the most awesome stop-and-go route any fifth graders ever run. And as I corralled the ball into my arms, looking over my shoulder, my, my cousin behind me yelled, duck! And I said, where? And as soon as I turned around, there it was, a, a steel piece of rebar under the bleachers caught me right across the forehead. Right at the top of my hair, it knocked my feet out from under me. I landed on my back. I blacked out. Blood went everywhere. So I've already had one concussion. Here's a second concussion in in the same, you know, a couple of months. I've had two concussions. So as I'm laying there, my mom, you can imagine what she's thinking. She comes over, and she immediately, the authoritative figure in my life, she immediately put me right back down on lockdown. I finally got off of lockdown, and then right, right, right back on lockdown. 
This week, Governor Lee announced that our lockdown is going to be extended to the end of April. Many of us were hoping we could get off maybe mid-April or so, but it's been extended to the end of the month. So, as we are living in lockdown, what does that look like? How are we to live in this lockdown? Well, in Acts chapter 1, the disciples find themselves on lockdown. Now, it's not the same reason we're on lockdown, but just the same. They are locked down. They're told to hunker down and wait. Don't depart, but wait on the coming of the Holy Spirit. And as I was reading through this this week, God just impressed on my heart uh, some descriptions of what it looks like to live on lockdown. So I want to read this text and then unpack some of that with you this morning. So let's look at Acts 1. I'm going to read the first 11 verses. You follow along with your copy of the Word of God. The scripture will be on, your, on the screen as well. Acts chapter 1, here we go. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven... (laughs) will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Gracious Father, you have made a promise to us that you will never leave us, nor will you forsake us. Jesus' ascension is proof of that. He ascended, but the Holy Spirit descended. Your presence is not only among us and with us, for those who have trusted in the work of your Son on the cross of Calvary to pay the penalty of our sin... You are not only among us, you are in us. Through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, we're so thankful that although things happen that we don't understand and things happen that we have questions about, things happen that we don't like and we don't agree with, God, we're so grateful that we're not in control, but you are. God, help us today as we live in this time of lockdown. Help us Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I've got one truth I pray the Lord will deposit into your heart today. I pray that this takeaway, this big idea, this uh, sentence, the essence of the sermon in a sentence will just 
be rooted in your heart today from Acts 1, 1 through 11. I want to share this word with you from the word of God. Look up while on lockdown. While you are locked down, look up. And I want to show you a word in Acts chapter 1 that just grabbed my heart this week. It's the word behold. Now the word behold means to look. It's a marker used to liven up a Hebrew narrative. It's a marker that's used to change a scene or to emphasize an idea. Or it's used to call attention to detail. It's used to arouse and awaken attention. That's what it's used for in the scripture. It's a prompter of attention. Behold, look, see. For example, John the Baptist in John chapter 1. Here comes Jesus. And John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In Matthew 27, upon Jesus' death, the, the Bible says, Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. At Jesus' resurrection, when the women are perplexed at what's happening, the, the Bible says very clearly, Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And they said, Why do you seek for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. In, Acts, in our text today, it says, Behold, at his ascension, for this same Jesus who was taken up into heaven will return the same way you saw him go into heaven. And in Revelation twenty-two twelve, Jesus himself, talking about his second coming, says, Behold, I am coming soon. Look up, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look up, the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Look up. He is not here. He is risen. Look up. The same Jesus who went up into heaven will come back the same way you saw him go into heaven. Look up. I am coming soon. Church, whatever we're facing, whatever circumstance, whatever situation, God's command for us is to look up. Even on lockdown, we're to look up. So I want to paint you a picture here of what it looks like to look up while we're on lockdown. Number one, here's the first description of what it looks like to look up. While on lockdown, number one, don't look back at failures. Don't look back at failures. Luke, in, Luke, in Acts 1, 1, 2, and 3, takes a look back to the book of Luke. Notice how he does this in verse 1. In the first book, what's he talking about? He's talking about the gospel of Luke. He says, in the first book, O Theophilus. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So, get the picture. Luke is taking a look back to the book of Luke. But Luke is not taking a look back to focus on all the ways he and the disciples messed up. He's not looking back at all the ways they failed. He's not looking back at how they weren't there on the first Easter. How they were absent at the cross. How they had so little faith. He's not looking back at all their failures. He's looking back at what Jesus began to do and teach. That's what he's looking back to. I have dealt with all that Jesus 
begin to do and teach. You know, the governor of New York recently came out with a statement as their COVID-19 cases seem to have peaked, maybe plateaued, and hopefully going back down. And he, this is what he said, and I quote, The number of COVID-19 cases is down because we brought the number down. God didn't do that. Fate didn't do that. Destiny didn't do that. A lot of pain and suffering did that. And as I heard that quote and I thought about, I thought for a moment, I said, man, that sounds so much like us. Now, we want to shake our fist at, at the governor and shake our head at him and those kind of things. But if we stop and really think about it, oftentimes that's how we respond in our times of crisis. That's how we respond. Like in the crisis, in the heat of the moment, in the peak of the crisis, we cry out for God. We need Christ. We need Jesus. God help us. But then when we get on the other side of it, when we're coming out of it, post the crisis, then we say, oh, look what we did. We did it. No, we didn't do it. God did it. Luke isn't looking back and saying, look what we did. Look what we didn't do. He's looking back and seeing all that Jesus began to do and began to teach. See, here's the problem when we look back on our failures. When we look back on our failures... We're focusing on us rather than the Lord. We're making it about us. It's an issue of pride is what it is. It's not an issue of worship and humbling ourselves before the all-powerful God. And notice what Luke, Luke wrote about in the, in the Gospel of Luke. For example, Let me just give you one example. Luke 24, verse 27, on the road to Emmaus, there's two disciples, there's Jesus, they have this encounter. And the Bible says that in beginning with Moses and all the prophets, so from Genesis to Malachi, the Old Testament, Jesus began to interpret to them in the Old Testament, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. For example, one of those is Numbers 21, 4 through 9. Numbers 21, 4 through 9. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. Listen to this. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. And they asked the question, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Their people were complaining against God. I know that's hard to believe that people were complaining, but they were complaining against God. Why have you brought us out here to this wilderness? Why are we locked down here in the wilderness and, and, and you brought us out here to die? For there's no food and no water and we loathe this worthless food. So in fact, there was food. It just wasn't food they liked. Okay. For example, maybe in, in quarantine, shelter at home, stay at home, lockdown, whatever you want to call it. Maybe your kids go into the pantry and look around and say, there's nothing to eat. And you go in there and it's full of food. They say, well, it's not what I want to eat. Right? That's, that's what they're doing here. They're complaining about that. And they're, they're, they're making a fuss about that. So look what God does. Uh, because they're complaining and say they're going to die out here. So he sent fiery serpents into the camp. And the Bible says the snakes that bit the people, so many of the people of Israel died. Now, parents, I don't suggest you send in fiery serpents into your kid's room. Okay, don't do that. But that's what God did. And look what happened. Uh, they begin to pray to the Lord. They begin to cry out to the Lord, oh, we've sinned against you. And they asked Moses to pray to get God to take the serpents away. And so God said, I won't take the serpents away. But Moses, you make a bronze serpent. You put it on a pole. You lift it up. And anyone who is bit, if they'll look up, if they'll look up, if they'll look up, they'll live. And then Jesus used that illustratively to point to himself in John chapter 3. 
Jesus said it like this in verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. But whoever believes in that, so whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Look up to the one who's been lifted up. Don't look back at your failures, but look up to the one who has finished it, who knows all your failures, and he died for them. See, when, when Satan whispers in your ear, look at your past failures, when he says God can't use you, when he says God is finished with you, or you, you, you've dis, you're disqualified from God using you because of your past failures, when you listen to that, you need to understand that is the enemy talking to you. And the enemy is lying to you, and the enemy is lying about God. He's lying to you, and he's lying about God. Your failures are not final. Jesus, when he finished the work of redemption, he died for all of our sins. And guess what? We're all failures. We all fail. We all fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us give in to temptation, whatever that temptation is, and we fail. But notice what Jesus does here. He encourages us to look up to the one who's been lifted up. Not to focus on our failures, but to look to the one who said, it is finished. You know, April the 19th was supposed to be a, a very incredible day right here in, in, in God's house. We had a very special day planned today. We were going to recognize, honor Dr. Fred Stillman and his wife, Becky. We're going to have Pastor Emeritus today. We were going to honor him before COVID-19 sabotaged April the 19th. It was going to be a huge day in the life of our church as we look back to what all God did through the ministry of Dr. Stillman and his wife Becky. But we can't do that now. So prayerfully, we'll be able to do that sometime later this year. But that was the goal. That was the plan. Now, did Dr. Stillman have better days? Were some days better than other days? I'm sure he did. But we're looking back at what God did and what he continues to do. This is what God wants us to do. Look back at what all Jesus began to do and began to teach. Not all of what you failed to do and failed to teach, but what Jesus has done and what he is doing. And notice, how do we know that? How do we know that Luke is looking back to that? How do we know that what Jesus has done on the cross, that it is finished, that he meant business by that? Here's how we know it. Look at verse 2. Until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So, if Jesus had not finished the work that canceled out our failures and our sin, he would not have been taken up. He would have been left here to finish the work, but he was taken up. In addition to that, look at verse 3. He presented himself alive. like he For 40 days, he, he showed himself to 500 plus people, giving many proofs that he was alive, that he'd been raised from the dead. And notice what I love the last part of verse 3. This will give you so much hope today. Look at the last part of verse 3. And notice what Jesus was speaking about. Notice the subject he is talking about. Speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, if Jesus wanted the apostles, the disciples, to look back at their failures, if he wanted them to focus on their failures, then when he appeared to them, he would have said something like this. I told you so. I told you I was going to be raised from the dead. Man, Luke, you really blew it, didn't you? I, now I can't use you. The, my father can't use you. Y'all are worthless. Jesus does not speak about the fallen kingdoms of man. He is speaking about the kingdom of God. 
And when you and I focus on our failures, here's what we're doing. We're making it about us. And we're lifting ourselves above the one who has been highly exalted and lifted up. You're making it about you and not the Lord. So do not look back at your failure. The only, the only one who is encouraging you and causing you and tempting you to look at your failures is the enemy. God doesn't do that. Because if he did that, he would have done that here. But he's not speaking about the failures of you and me. He's speaking about the kingdom of God. Don't look back at failures. Look up to the one who's been lifted up. 1953, March 26, Dr. Jonas Salk was the physician who announced officially the discovery of the polio vaccine. He attempted 200 unsuccessful vaccines before he came up with the one that worked. And somebody asked him, said, hey, how did it feel to fail 200 times trying to invent a vaccine for polio? And here's how the doctor, the physician, responded. He responded, I never failed 200 times in anything in my life. My family taught me to never use that word. I simply discovered 200 ways how not to make a polio vaccine. Listen, our great physician, we look around this world and people are asking, where's God? Man, God's really blowing it. He's really failing. Let me tell you something. Our great physician never fails. He works in all things. He works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. He has never failed. He will never fail you if you put your faith and trust in him. Let me assure you, I don't care how long it takes for a COVID-19 vaccine to come. Jesus, the work he has begun here that Luke speaks about, he's continuing that work in you. He's completing that work in you. Let me tell you something. Do you realize that until the Lord calls you home, you are absolutely immortal? Do you realize that? Hey, God's got this. Don't look back at your failures. Look up. Number two, what does it look like to look up when we're on lockdown? Number two, don't look down in frustration. Listen, I know we're frustrated, but don't look down in frustration. And I know there's much to be frustrated about. But look how the disciples, in verse 4, dealt with this potential frustration and how they decided not to look down in frustration. Look, look at verse 4. And while staying with them, he, he, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. So Jesus is putting his own lockdown order on the disciples. He says, do not depart from Jerusalem. You wait for the promise of the Father... You wait. Now, we don't like waiting, do we? I don't like waiting. You like waiting? The weight of waiting is so heavy. We like to fix. We like to do. We like to make happen what is not happening. We don't like to wait, right? And the Lord told him, wait. David, King David, in Psalm 62, dealt with this waiting. He asked the question, how long? How long, O Lord? How long am I going to wait? Is my soul going to wait? How long? In fact, he said it like this in Psalm 62, verse 1. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. And then David goes through some stuff. Like he goes through some hardships. He goes through some trials. And he even says it this way. He says, 
Uh, how long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence, like he's about to fall over with all this suffering and attacks and frustration, and he's getting more and more frustrated. But then he makes this statement, For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. He dropped the greatly. Before he went through that stuff, he said, Well, I won't be shaken a lot, I may be shaking a little, but not a lot. But then when he goes through that and he realizes, hey, Jesus is the rock, man. He can't be shaken. Then he makes statement, I shall not be shaken. Was he frustrated? Sure he was. Are you frustrated? Sure. Am I frustrated? Yes. But we're not to look down in frustration. We're to look up to the one who is high and lifted up. To the one who reigns to the one who rules, to the one who is ascended and is coming back in the same way that he went into heaven. Look up. Don't look down in frustration. And I know it's frustrating. I was listening to a radio sports host the other day out of Miami, and he was so frustrated. He was letting the Miami weather folks have it. Whether men and women were talking about, oh, how terrible and how busy and how active and, and, and how above normal and rough this hurricane season is going to be. I mean, they're, they're hyping all this hurricane season is going to be above normal. It's going to be busy and active. And this, this sports host, he'd had enough. He said, look, I can only take one disaster at a time. Let me get through COVID-19, and then you can talk about how bad the hurricanes are going to be. Well, we learned last Sunday, Easter Sunday, that sometimes one disaster doesn't wait on another one to pass, does it? Sometimes they come quickly and on top of each other as tornadoes struck our city. But I want to encourage you, in all, waiting for the next shoe to drop or the next disaster to fall, don't look down in frustration. Look up to the one who said, not many days from now. Don't look down in frustration. Look up to the one who looked down upon his son and said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Look up, church. Don't look down in frustration. And I know, maybe we're frustrated not only with all the disasters, maybe we're frustrated with each other. Like, like, our youngest, Belle, asked us the other day, she said, Mom, Dad, y'all have to let me know when President Trump officially announces that the lockdown on sleepovers is lifted. Like, she's ready to have some friends over and have a sleepover. Like, sleepovers with a family just ain't getting it done. Right? Maybe you're getting frustrated with each other. Maybe in your home, you're playing hide and seek, but only half of it. You're just playing hide. And you're just hiding from everybody, not wanting to be sought out or not wanting to seek. Maybe you're just getting frustrated with each other. Notice what happened to the disciples down in verse 14. This is a very fascinating verse, almost unbelievable. In verse 14, we read, All these with one accord were devoting themselves uh, to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So you've got to understand that this is craziness happening here that they're in one accord. I, I read that and I had two responses. Wow! And then my next one was, How did that happen? One accord, all these folks crammed in, 120 people gathering and, and trying to hold it together, and they're all in one accord? Wow. How did they do that? They looked up. They weren't looking down in frustration. They looked up. One pastor said it like this, God can do way more with your surrender than you can do with your control. So surrender it. Look up to the one who's been lifted up. Don't look down in frustration. Number three, don't look around in fear. 
Don't look around in fear. As you're on lockdown, don't look around at all this news report and that news report and this fear-mongering and that fear-mongering. Don't look around in fear. Notice what the disciples did in verse 6. They asked Jesus the question, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, why would they ask that question? Well, they're looking around at everything that's happening. At his cross, they saw strange things happening. The curtain being torn. The earth shaking. Darkness. I mean, they're seeing all this happen. Like abnormal things going on. They see people living their life like in the days of Noah. Marrying and giving him marriage. And they're wondering, man, Jesus has come. The Messiah has come. He's, he's lived. He's died. He's been resurrected. He's about to ascend. And he's coming again. Is this the end, Lord? Is this the end? They're looking around and all that, that, that they could be gripped with fear by and asking, is this it? Maybe you're looking around thinking the same thing. Man, this has to be it. Like, look around, man. Look around at what's happening to the world. Look around at what this one little virus has done to the entire planet. Just shut it down on lockdown. We look around at all that's happening and we think, man, is this, could this be the time of the end? Well, we're definitely in the last days. When Jesus was raised to life, we're in the last days. California mayor, I read this the other day, gave an order that if anybody worships like we do and we have online services and, and, and we have some worship folks that come and lead us in worship, and this mayor said, nope, there can be no singing in your online services, no playing of instruments in your online services at the uh, risk of droplets being spewed out and somebody there getting, get, getting COVID-19. We just can't do that. Well, this mayor needs to understand something, that even if we do not worship God, the germs themselves will cry out and worship to our God. Right? We can't just live in fear. We cannot be, should we be careful? Yes. Are we going to be careful? Absolutely. But we are not going to be gripped with fear. We're not going to look around in fear. We're not going to let fear overcome us. We're just not going to do it. How many times did the Lord look at his people and say, fear not, fear not, fear not. J.I. Packer said it this way, to know that nothing happens in God's world apart from God's will may frighten the godless. But it stabilizes the church. We know he's in control. Jesus told his disciples it was not for them to know. But it was for them to be his witnesses. It was for them to receive the Holy Spirit. And be his witnesses in Jerusalem to the end of the earth. I'm so grateful that you have taken time during this COVID-19 to focus on our Jerusalem. You are being Jesus in our Jerusalem. By giving to our benevolent offering, it's it's highest it's ever been. By you going and serving people, you're doing it. And I ask you to continue to do that. At the same time, let's not lose sight of the big picture. Let's not lose sight of the nations. Let's not lose sight of Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. Keep giving to the world missions offering. Keep praying for church planners in North America and around the world. Keep praying for our missionaries. Don't lose sight of that. See, in Matthew 24, Jesus says the the end will come when the gospel is proclaimed to the ends of the earth. Then the end will come. Not when this virus comes the end or that virus comes in, but when the gospel, when the name of Jesus is proclaimed to the end of the earth, then the end will come. The end coming is never about a virus. The end coming is always about Jesus. So don't lose sight of our call to the nations. Yes, to Chattanooga, but beyond. 
Our focus should not be, okay, let's try to figure out when the second coming will happen. No, our focus should be, hey, we need to go tell people, guess what? The first coming has already happened. And there's hope and peace and joy in Christ if you'll trust Him today. Man, we cannot let fear grip us. I was reading this the other day about a a construction worker, Randy Reed, who was working on a, a water tower and he was on his scaffolding and he was welding and he unbuckled his safety gear to reach over for some pipes and when he did, a cage shifted, bumped his scaffolding and he lost his balance and he fell 110 feet to the ground. He landed on some dirt right next to some debris and rocks and as he landed on the dirt... Uh, He was conscious, didn't knock him out. His back was hurting. And so the paramedics come and find him breathing, and he seems to be okay, Uh, doesn't seem to be uh, about to die or anything like that. So they put him on this backboard to load him in the ambulance, take him to the hospital to get him checked out. And as they put him on this backboard, which is about three foot off the ground, okay, he grabs uh, one of those paramedics' arms and just grip with fear. He says, don't drop me. Now, he just survived a 110-foot fall. And he's terrified of falling three feet. Man, how, how much are we just like that? We serve a God whose grace alone has saved us from the 110-foot fall into the pit of hell and death we serve a God who has saved our soul that which can harm the body and the soul he has saved us from that 110 foot fall and then here we are gripped with total sheer panic and fear over this three foot fall of COVID-19 which by the way I'm not making light of this virus but you got to understand it's not a blip on God's radar he's got this he knew it was coming and he's got it And oh, how much are we like that construction worker who is terrified of of these everyday dangers that we face? I guarantee you the same God who can save you from the pit of hell is the same God that can protect you and rescue you from the dangers you face every day. Do not look around in fear. Look up to the one who's been lifted up, to the one who is highly exalted. That the Father has highly exalted. Look up. Don't look down in fear. Number four, last one. Don't look defeated. We're children of God. We're servants of the King. Why are we walking around looking defeated? Look how the disciples looked here at the end of this text. Verse number 9, verse number 10. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So Jesus is gone. And while they were gazing, that word gazing is a very fascinating word. They were gazing. They were staring into heaven. They had this look on their face like they had lost Jesus forever. Like the one that was with them, he's gone. Like he's, he's gone. And we understand that. They were with him for three and a half years, and now he disappears from their sight. Like he died, he was buried, he was raised, he appeared to them again, and they were excited, and now he's gone again. And so they're looking up as if they've lost 
Jesus. Transfixed is what the word means. Looking as if you were losing something. A look of defeat. Kind of like... Kind of like uh, how, how, how you, you, well, I know me, I don't know about you, but kind of like how I look on Zoom meetings. Have you ever noticed how you look on a Zoom meeting? Have you ever noticed that? You know what I do at the end of a Zoom meeting? I don't understand why I do this. I'm trying to figure out why I'm doing this. But at the end of a Zoom meeting, I'm, I wave to everybody. Why am I waving to people? In a face-to-face meeting, I don't wave to you when we're done. Why am I waving at you? And it's so awkward. Or it's like this. Why, why am I doing that? I look so weird and funny and awkward. So these angels ask these guys, what are you doing? Why are you standing here looking so frightened and defeated? Man, this Jesus who you saw going, he's coming the same way. He's coming back as you saw him go. Now, one thing I'm going to miss about the Zoom meetings, let me tell you what I love about it, the mute, mute all button. Boy, I like that button. You just mute everybody. You don't like what somebody's saying? Just mute them all. Just mute all. I'm going to miss that feature. But man, I won't miss looking like a buffoon on there. I won't miss that. So these disciples are looking up. They're gazing. And they said, listen, he's coming back. He's coming back. So go get busy. He's coming back. Now, I read a Tuscaloosa man found a photo in his yard Easter Sunday, this past Sunday. It was a photo of a family. He didn't recognize the family. He had never seen the picture before. It was just in his yard. So he goes on social media. He uploads that picture. And he asks uh, people, you know, can you help me find this family? I don't know who this is. And turns out it was a photograph of a family who lives in Moss, Mississippi, 100 miles away. And a tornado hit Moss, Mississippi, destroyed that family's home, just destroyed it, and carried that photo from their home 100 miles to this Tuscaloosa man's yard. So he got the photo, he found out who it belonged to, he mailed it back to him, and this is what he said. He said, I know it's a good thing for the family to get back some of the memories, they can't replace everything that was lost, but they can at least get something back. Isn't it good to know? Isn't it good to know that when you're in John 14 and you're reading through John 14 or you're in Acts 1 and you're reading through Acts, isn't it good to know that Jesus himself is coming back? It's not going to be an an imitator of Jesus. It's not going to be an image of him. It's not going to be one like him. He himself is coming back. Jesus is coming. And so let's not look defeated. Let's look up. To the one who says, behold, I am coming soon. Man, let's don't look back at failures. Let's don't look down in frustration. Let's don't look around in fear. Let's don't look defeated. Let's look up. Look up, church. You who were once alienated from God, look up. Look up to the one who reconciled you in his body of flesh by his death. Let's look up, body of Christ. I know we can't gather in person right now. But let's look up to the one who is the head of the body who is going to gather his elect from the four corners of the earth. Caregivers who are about to give in and you're about to give up. I encourage you to look up to the one who says that you're to cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Children who miss your friends, look up to the one who gave you your family. 
Family of God, look up to the one who, who gave us the right to become children of God. Educators who, who, who view education as, as, as enough to still be educating during these times. We praise God for you and we encourage you to look up to the one whom we're to love with all of our heart and all of our soul and with all of our mind. You who remain unforgiven, look up to the one who has all authority on earth to forgive sin. You generous givers, look up to the one who said it's more blessed to give than to receive. You who remain guilty, look up to the one whose grace abounds. Gospel conversationalists, look up to the one who uses conversations as vehicles to advance the gospel. Husbands, look up to the one who empowers you and equips you to love your wife as Christ loved the church. All you who are jobless, we're praying for you. And we encourage you to look up to the one who redeemed all that Job lost and more when Job was Jobless. You who feel unloved, look up to the one who so loved you that he gave his only son that if you believe in him, you, you will not perish, but you will have eternal life. Marrieds, unmarrieds, pre-marrieds, remarrieds, never want to get married, hope one day to be married, wish you weren't married, COVID-19 can't get married. Look up to the one who's the bridegroom, who's coming back for his bride, the church. Men and women, look up to the one who calls us to delight ourselves in the Lord, and he will give us the desires of our heart. Parents who are losing patience with stay-at-home children, look up to the one who gave you the gifts who are your children. Physicians and staff of hospitals, we praise God for you. But we encourage you to look up to the one who is the great physician. First responders who are the first to respond, we praise God for you and encourage you to look up to the one who first loved us. Unsaved sinners, we encourage you to look up to the one who is Jesus, who came to save his people from their sins. Oh, seniors who can't graduate this year and students who can't get back to school this year, we encourage you to look up. Look up to the one who is still able to do abundantly more than we can ask or think. Widows, we encourage you to look up to the one who never leave you nor forsake you. Orphans, look up to the Father who is a father to the fatherless. All those who are tired of and thankful for Zoom, look up to the one who says, Behold, I am coming soon. Church, look up. Look up to the one who is high and lifted up. Look up to the one who is the king of our heart. Church, look up. Look up.